And hello, all you witches and ghouls out there. Welcome back to another episode of Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and spooky season continues. It's hard to believe that October is almost over. I was looking at the calendar this morning, and I've just got one full week left of October, and that's a little sad uh, in, in my book, as, as many of you probably could uh, guess. October, fall... Halloween. This is my favorite time of year, and you know that old expression. You know, it keeps going every year. It keeps getting faster and faster, and that seems to be the case with this particular season. But uh, nevertheless, uh, going to savor it uh, while while we can, and uh, just enjoy it because uh, uh, soon it will be November and the rest of the holidays, and soon will be a new year. So, might as well enjoy uh, enjoy what we have while we can. Today's episode, I'm going to revisit a film from a few years back, uh, and I've probably mentioned it at least once on this show in passing, uh, but really wanted to do a more in-depth review of it today. And the film, of course, is It Follows. This is, I think, one of the best horror movies ever made. And it came out at a time, it was around 2014, 2015, where the the term elevated horror uh, originates, I, I really feel this film kind of kicks off that that trend, if you will, that has certainly influenced the genre in recent years. Where you sort of, in a way, elevate the stakes in a horror movie, where it's no longer just about the scares and the thrills, but having a lot more subtext and, and real. Uh, sort of nuance to the plot. Think films like Midsommar, uh, Hereditary, The Babadook, even some of the recent Halloween films have taken on a more uh, quote-unquote elevated approach, which to me, anytime you can sort of raise the the bar with a horror movie, I'm going to be all for it. But particularly with this one, and this is one that's had a lot of analysis and, and discussion since its release. As I said, it's really sort of captured the imagination in a way and I've seen many different rankings this isn't just my own bias showing but many different rankings that hold this film up as as one of the best modern horror films and interestingly enough it was made on a shoestring budget which is often the case with horror movies and then they go on to double and triple their budget uh, in terms of box office receipts Uh, so that's on the agenda for today but before I I tackle it follows a little bit of housekeeping as I often do at this particular point of the show. Wanna thank you as always for tuning in each week and hearing what I have to say on movies. Particularly uh for those of you who may not be necessarily horror fans or slasher fans, I certainly appreciate you uh sticking with me through spooky season. Uh, just one more show after today, and then we'll be back to regular programming for the rest of the year. But in all seriousness, though, uh, thank you for being a part of the cinematic journey with me. I know I sound like a broken record when I say it, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement, your embrace, and most importantly, of all, your friendship. Uh, it, it really it means the world to me, and I, I truly value each and every one of you, whether we've we've met in person, whether we've met virtually, or whether we've just uh, you know sort of exchanged uh, back and forth messages 
uh, over uh, the various social media uh, platforms and, and whatnot. Uh, I, I consider you a part of uh, this uh, fun network of movie lovers and film buffs. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, and thank you. I'll also use this opportunity to plug another show that I do with my uh, two friends, Chris Evans and Anthony Caruso. So if you haven't had your, your fill of me here, I would encourage you to give a follow and a like to DC Unlimited Pod. We just dropped a Halloween-centric episode last week. Try to put out new shows every couple of weeks. As I've mentioned before, everything is focused on all things DC Comics, Batman. So if that is your uh, your cup of tea, I encourage you to to give that a follow and uh Hear what we uh, hear what we have to say on that subject. I always have a good time. It's it's different than than doing this show. It's it's fun to have two other co-hosts because you can kind of bounce ideas off of each other and have a nice back and forth. And it's not just one person uh, bloviating, <laughs> as is sometimes the case with this show. Uh, but again, I encourage you to to give that a follow uh, and uh, hear what we have to say on all things DC related. Now, this movie that I'm going to talk to you about today, It Follows, I have to say, I had heard a lot of things about it prior to, to watching it. I didn't, I didn't watch it when it first came out. It was years later that I discovered it. Um, but I'd always heard great things about it. And, and I'll confess, the first time I saw the title, not knowing anything about it, I thought it was maybe a, a prequel to the movie It. Uh, given the, uh, uh, the, you know, the 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 release and whatnot, it sort of kind of came into my uh, my sphere uh, around the time that the first It movie came out, and it's it's far far from anything uh, related to Pennywise the Dancing Clown, uh, and that's a good thing in this particular case. But uh, I, I was always curious about it, and I heard great things about it, and so you know, again, you always sort of temper your expectations, particularly when you. Uh, hear nothing but praise for a movie, and, and it sort of is out there in the zeitgeist, uh, particularly among horror fans. And I was like, well, let's let's see what uh, what this has to uh, what this is all about. Again, trying to temper the expectations because sometimes uh, when you set them so high or you go in uh, expecting a masterpiece, it usually uh, doesn't uh, doesn't turn out that way. Not all the time, but but uh, more often than than not. Uh, and I was also intrigued. Uh, it stars Micah Monroe, uh, who's done a number of, of different films in the genre. I've mentioned, uh, I believe last year she starred in this movie Watcher, which is one of the best uh, thrillers that I have seen in recent years, particularly when you have a, a movie that's premised around somebody watching another person. Uh, it's really, really creepy, and, and she does a just a phenomenal job uh, in, in that one. So that, you know, again... She she's no stranger to to the genre, uh, but but this was one of her first uh, one of her first major roles, and I'll just give you a break uh, a brief rundown of the, the the premise of the film. It tells the story of this character Jay, played by Micah Monroe, and her her three uh, three friends uh, that includes her sister, and. She starts seeing this this new guy, and they go out one night, they have sex, and then she learns that she has uh, he has passed on to her this curse, if you will, and this uh, this curse can take on 
any different person, uh, any different kind of entity, and it will will follow them. It will will stalk them more or less until ultimately it kills them. So her life gets turned upside down after this uh, after this one night. And she now has to band together with her friends to try and stop this entity from killing her and ultimately freeing herself from this particular curse. The movie was shot on a budget of around just over a million dollars. And not that always box office receipts or everything, but it ended up making over $20 million in return. So this was a very profitable, very successful movie. But on that point of it being a small budget movie... You would never know it, just based on the cinematography. The the director of the movie, David Robert Mitchell, cited influences of, of John Carpenter uh, as an example, as, along with, with George Romero. So you look at the way the film is shot. There's a lot of, a lot of wide shots. It feels very much uh, like an homage to even Halloween or some of uh, John Carpenter's earlier horror films. And there's a, there's a rawness to this movie. It was shot on location in and around Detroit, and it, it feels grimy, it feels real, it feels like a lived-in world, it doesn't feel like a a, a set necessarily that was dressed up and, and made ready for a movie, and I think that adds to the believability of not just the the story, the characters, but, but the, the greater story, I mean, it's obviously fiction, and it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a horror movie, but you believe in the world and you believe in the characters and that goes a long way in taking the sort of fanciful and and unbelievable parts and making them grounded. So as I said, this entity, it's almost serving as a metaphor for an an STD. That's really the large, uh, kind of the at-large interpretation of this movie. And certainly that that is an aspect of it, you know, sort of this unknowing uh, you know, disease that can be passed on uh, without without warning, and it it stays with you. It 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 never never leaves, so to speak. But I also look at the film in in a sort of a different context. Um, that is that is certainly an element, and I think that's a correct interpretation. But I also see this this entity that is that is following Jay and. You know, essentially trying to ruin her life. I almost see it as a representation of of death. That it, that it will come after you. That it will follow you. No matter what you try to do, death will always arrive. And it's sort of this push and pull, uh, tug of war, if you will, uh, between trying to always escape it. And and you can't. You never can out outwit death. And and I think that sort of serves as an interesting sort of. Uh, you know, sort of dichotomy in a way where it focuses on these these three young uh, these young kids who who more or less have their whole life ahead of them, but there's always this this specter of of evil that is sort of lurking around the corner, and particularly with the character of Jay, it's never really established or spelled out for the audience, but it's implied that there's a broken home and there's been a lot of tragedy that has happened with this particular family. The mom is pretty much an absentee parent figure. The father is not there. It's never really spelled out, but there's a lot of implications that, that you know, maybe there was something nefarious or maybe he's dead. It's never really spelled out. And so there's sort of this element of tragedy and, and despair that sort of hangs over this family and frankly over this entire town. And I sort of 
you know, kind of view that as a way that, that they're perpetually cursed, that sort of bad things are going to continue to happen no matter what they do. You know, some people just have a, a bad hand and there's nothing they can do about it. It's sort of the, the you know, fact of life. You just sort of have to roll with it and, and come what may sort of mentality. Frankly, one of the scariest aspects of the of the film is this entity. I'm just going to keep calling it an entity because it's really the best way to describe it. It can take on any person in a, in someone's life. Sometimes it could be a random person, but other times it could be uh, someone you know or someone you've known, and that's that's unsettling because it disarms you as as both a viewer, but in the context of the story, Jay doesn't know who she can trust. She sort of walls herself off for part of the movie in her in her bedroom because she doesn't know who she can trust. She knows that there is this entity out there that is waiting and stalking and is trying to 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 go after her, and she doesn't know who she can turn to. Can she turn to her sister? Can she turn to her friend? Uh, and there's really there's really nobody, and that's that's very arresting. That is very uh, creepy because there's nothing worse when you're sort of the the safety of the home can be turned upside down. And I think part of what this movie is very good at, I mean, it's good at many things, but part of it is it really gets under the skin of of the characters and in turn gets under the skin of of the audience because you know you like to think that you're safe in your home and and there's nothing more more alarming when the sanctity of the home is threatened and in this particular case you know in, in this in in Jay's context she she has no place to go she is completely surrounded in a way, and no matter what she does, no matter how far she drives, no matter how far she leaves the vicinity, it follows. This entity will always be there. And again, you can read that as as the STD metaphor. You can read this as a metaphor for death or fate. Like you, you cannot outrun something. I think that's really uh, kind of my big takeaway. No matter how hard you try, you have to. You, know, you can't outrun something, and it leads to this great showdown at the end of the movie where Jay decides she's done right done running it's kind of a a sink or swim mentality and she and her friends band together to try and stop and and kill this entity before it can before it can take her now her friends can't see it only Jay can see it because she has the curse and that's 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 frankly creepy as hell because there's a lot of great moments in the movie where Jay can see something, but her friends can't. So she sees the horror. She knows what's happening, and they can only kind of gauge it off of her reaction. And before I get into the ending, there's a scene when they're all uh, up around a lake, and they're just sitting there talking, and then the camera pans back, and it shows the entity approaching Jay. And they don't know it, obviously. She doesn't know it because her back is turned. And then... I think it's her sister. She turns and she looks and she sees the hair on Jay's head being pulled. And it's this this most this sort of visually stunning and yet disturbing moment at the same time because you're watching Jay literally get get picked up out of the chair and assaulted by this, you know, to everyone else, this unseen entity. And it just leads to this whole kind of, you know, confusion of what is real, what is not real. But it, it's one of the most disturbing 
disturbing moments in the entire film because it's it's kind of what you don't see. It's like that Jaws effect where it's it's scarier what's kind of under the surface, and then you add the music, which again, there's a lot of John Carpenter. Uh, homages and, and tributes in this film and the music is one and it feels very carpenter-esque and it just it knows the, the, the it knows when to hit the right uh, note so to speak no pun intended and and it just drives the narrative the music almost becomes part of the story and it's oh it, like i said it's, it's both thrilling and terrifying at the same time but the end of the film to tie it back to that they all band together. They're going to try to defeat this this thing, and they go to a, a closed down swimming pool, and they are basically going to try to trap it in the pool and electrocute it. And so Jay's in the pool, kind of you know using herself as bait, and as expected, the entity arrives. And now, as I mentioned before, the the entity can take on different images or, or different personas and can look like someone that the person knows and the movie never spells it out but having seen it now a few times there's definitely a, a hint that the entity in this particular scene has taken on the image of of jay's father particularly if you see some of the photographs in the movie and, and while we never get a real close-up of uh, of this entity at the end of the movie it does have a striking resemblance to the father who, again, is never mentioned. We don't really know what the backstory is other than something has gone wrong. And so that kind of adds a whole other level of, of creepiness and, and uh, sort of vulnerability to not only the story but to Jay's character in this particular moment because you're taking, in this case, you know, just say you're taking a loved one and you're you're sort of you know, bastardizing it into this force of evil. That is terrifying on so many levels, and it, and it sort of wears down a person's defenses and and sort of you know fight mechanisms because you are you're pretty much disarmed. I mean, emotionally and 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 physically, and it again it leads to this sort of just again not you know, showing but not uh, seeing kind of a situation where. You know the uh, the entity is attacking, and things are getting thrown at Jay in the pool. And again, her her friends are trying to figure out, okay, what the hell's going on? What the hell's going on? And ultimately, spoiler alert, they are successful in in at least killing the the entity. And there's sort of this this acceptance at the end of the film that never it never goes ahead and says that okay, Jay is is lifted of of the curse. It never it never answers that question because there's a it's a subplot going on in the film where jay's friend paul who she's known pretty much her entire life um and he's sort of always been pining away for her they finally get together at the end of the movie and and so they you know consummate their their new relationship by by having sex and it's it's sort of done in a way where he knows full well that there's a possibility that he might be uh, afflicted with this the same curse that Jay has, but he's unafraid, and, and she's unafraid, and sort of this this kind of you know realization at the end of it that you know they're just they're just happy to be together, and they're sort of accepting fate in a way, and not not choosing to live in fear any longer, and that leads 
to the final shot of the film where where Jay and Paul are just walking hand in hand down the street and they're just sort of, you know, just happy to be together. You know, it's a boyfriend and girlfriend situation. And again, the never movie never quite answers the the question, but the camera starts to reveal behind them a faceless figure. And maybe it's a, it's a, it's a it's a man, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a student Maybe it's an entity. You know, we we don't know, but it's sort of this this you know almost a ghostly image of someone way off in the distance behind them on the sidewalk, just ever so casually walking uh, along the same path as they are. And again, the movie ends on that note, and again, it sort of gives you that goosebump feel because you you don't know if this is like okay, the you know the curse will will continue or if they're free of it or if it's sort of one of these things as a perpetual cycle. I mean, certainly if you, if, it, if you lean into the STD metaphor, it's sort of one of these things like, okay, you, she has it, he has it. It's, it's, they're sort of you know, marked for life in a way. Um, you could also read it as it's just, all right, it's just a random coincidence. Or you could read it as, going back to what I said about the, the sort of the death metaphor or the fate metaphor, it will always happen. You can't stop it. And, and they're just choosing to either accept it or, or be blissfully ignorant to it, or, or maybe a combination of the both. Again, it's really a very layered film that, that has a very creepy premise and, and just sort of expands the canvas. So I, I, I recommend this film on, on, many, on all cases because if you're looking for just a, a great horror movie to watch this time of year this one is going to get your your heart racing and it's going to get you uh you know sort of you know uh you know hiding under the sheets so to speak and and, and realizing you have no place uh to go it, it is very unsettling it's also as i mentioned it is an elevated horror film and i know that's sort of a a wonky term to throw around but but there is an element to this film that i that i just so appreciate because it's it, it, it's not as straightforward as, as as some of them tend to be. There is a lot of, of depth and substance to it. And, and you can really look at this movie on, on so many levels. You can look at it as, as somebody overcoming past trauma. You can look at it as somebody sort of accepting their their fate. You can look at it as somebody as, who's running and trying to hide and ultimately sort of fighting in a, in a, in a fighter, uh, fight or flight mentality. It's a very, very nuanced and very... Uh, multi-layered story that really, again, as I've mentioned at the start, is capped off by grounded and gritty performances. I think the the, the fact that this film was shot on location and there's a, a painstaking realness to it just in terms of the cinematography and the, the performances and the, and the uh, actors' clothing, you really believe in this world. And, and for me, that's the best kind of horror film because whether it's it's... You know, over the top or, or or grounded, if you can have that that believability and sort of that that sort of uh, you know, everyday approach to it versus you know you know monsters in a gothic castle. I mean, not that that isn't anything, not that that's you know anything to sneeze at. You know, I certainly enjoy uh, you know those as well. But there's something about these sort of everyday it could happen in your neighborhood type of horror movie that that it just it's more appealing to me because I think. Sometimes the scariest things are, are what we see 
in in everyday life what happens in the real world um, you know monsters under the bed are one thing uh, but you know you sort of grow out of that there, there's something more unnerving about you know something in the air something uh, you know down the street or, or you know in, in this particular case you're know, being being afflicted with 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 something and, and not knowing it until after it's too late that is that is very powerful and that is that's frankly that that's that's one of the worst terrors of all, sort of the unexpected and, and not being able to do anything about it and then sort of having to live with something and then trying to carve out a, a happy existence from it. And I guess you could really look at that ultimately at the end of the film that Jay and Paul particularly are just sort of coming to terms with their with their situation and, and you know, maybe are choosing to, to, to be happy and to try to live out uh, some kind of peaceful existence you know that is that's ultimately i i think a, a relatable theme and a relatable story that that we all go through you know we've all had tragedy we've all had had traumas it's all about how you you deal with them how you how you reconcile them and you try to move forward you try to move on as best you can that's why i love horror films i mean th- this is a perfect example of why horror movies are are both relatable and can tackle sort of sensitive and, and, and maybe kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, off the table, off the record topics that you know, in any other movie might come off as preachy or, 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 or melodramatic. And in a horror film, you can tackle social issues. You can tackle sort of societal problems. You can tackle uh, what's going on in a person's psyche much more effectively, I think, than in just a, a regular straightforward drama. But that is a, th- that, those are my thoughts, uh, my ramblings, if you will, my bloviating for today on the movie It Follows. Again, highly recommend this film. Stars Micah Monroe, and it, it is, I think, a modern-day classic. I think just from its, its, its themes, from the execution of it, and just on, on just a scare factor. This is a very unsettling movie. Again, even though I've seen it a few times, I still jump at a few uh, particular scenes. And that, to me, illustrates a well-made horror film that even if you've seen it before and you know what's coming, it can still get you at that right moment. And that's a testament to to both direction and writing and just overall effectiveness that I, as a fan of these films, appreciate. So if you're looking for something with a, a little bit of subtext, a little bit of, of thrills, and an all-around all, an all scary time, I recommend checking out It Follows this Halloween season. But that is all that I have for you today. Of course, I'll be back next week for the last episode of Spooky Season 2023. It is a good one. I have saved the best for last. Uh, Won't reveal too many uh, details yet, but uh, it is a uh, Halloween-centric episode. So uh, surprise, surprise, if you know me, I'm a big fan of of the Halloween series and Michael Myers. But uh, I, I do think you'll enjoy uh, this episode and, uh, you know, spoiler alert, I won't be the only one talking. So, you know, there you go. If you've, uh, had your fill of, of hearing my, uh, my voice, there'll be a little bit of a rest, uh, for next week's episode. But, uh, in all, in all seriousness though, thank you as, as always for tuning in everybody and hearing what I have to say on movies. Like I said, I'll be back next week and we'll do this all over again for the love of scary movies.